Amazing. Thank you, Captain and Ryan. Hi, friends. How are you doing? Hello, also everyone online. Thank you so much for joining us. So over the last few weeks, we've been doing a series called A Letter to London, and we have been unpacking what it means to radically love our city. And today I want to talk to you on the subject, Another Response. But before I dive into my talk, I want you to enter self-reflective mode. And I want you to answer some of these questions internally. My first question to you is, what are you like when people hurt you? When someone says something degrading towards you, or did something that undermined you, or perhaps explicitly went out their way to take advantage of you, how do you respond? I think in a city like ours in London, this, unfortunately, is a day-to-day -day occurrence for many of us. The sharp statement from a family member, the passive-aggressive criticism, passive criticism from a work colleague, and the trolling comments on our social media feed. And I once read an article that said, our everyday life is filled with small acts of retaliation, such as gossiping about a colleague who undermined you, lashing out on a waiter because your food is taking too long, it's too delayed, engaging with endless Twitter arguments, and ignoring a friend's message that responded too late to you. And when I was um, 14 years old, in my teenage years, my teenage years were filled with petty retaliations. And I remember when I was 14 years old, it was, it was approaching my birthday, and my friends asked me, they said, Wale, what would you like to do for your birthday? And I said, oh, um, there's this great movie out, I really want us to all go and watch this movie. And they're like, no worries, we'll meet you at the cinema. And guys, it got to the day of my birthday, I was excited, I was eager, to, I was eager expecting um, to really watch this movie, I was so excited that I get to watch this movie. And I was there outside the cinema, and I was waiting for my friends. And my friends weren't there, they were late. And no exaggeration, um, the movie had started. I, I heard um, the trailers um, being played um, in the lobby where I was standing. I could literally hear the opening credits. I could hear it, and I'm thinking, where on earth are my friends? And my friends were 15 minutes late. And I was thinking, how dare they on my birthday? And they, they ran towards me. I was waiting outside with the tickets. And they were like, oh, well, I was so sorry. The bus, da, da, da. And I was like, whatever. And I literally took my cinema tickets and I just threw it in their faces. And I said, meet me in screen five. And honestly, during that film, I couldn't concentrate. I was just so filled with anger and rage. And I looked over to my friends, and they were grinning, smiling, laughing at the movie. <laughs> and I was literally, I was thinking, how dare they? They have forgotten how they've sinned against me. I will show them. And I thought, in order to really... Um, honing in my message to, to tell them explicitly how disappointed I was, I decided that I would avoid them for the rest of the night. And I'm a church boy, I grew up in church, and we had a youth group um, afterwards, we had our youth night. And literally, 
anytime my friends wanted to approach me, I just walked in the other direction. And it was literally a game of duck, duck, goose. Because I wanted them to know that they can't get away with coming late to my birthday and how offended I was. So that was the story of my petty retaliations in the day. And there's something um, back in the day, and there's something in all of us that says, I can't allow you to get away with what you did. In a city like London, especially in a work or social context, we're afraid of looking weaker or less than, and we can't rest with the idea that someone else has, has gotten one up on me. Someone else might have the final laugh. So what do we do? We retaliate. We respond in a similar way to repay the insult. But on a mountaintop, overseeing the Sea of Galilee, Jesus addresses how we should respond to situations like these. And he talks about it in a long, detailed talk called the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5. And I like to think that the Sermon on the Mount was like the big talk, the big pep talk that a head coach would give to their team before a big game. For example, I can imagine Southgate being like, you know, to the England team, the head coach of England, being like, this is what you need to do to win. You are representing your country. And in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus is telling the crowds before him, this is how you need to live. This is how you ought to navigate this life. And this is how you can best represent me in this world and be a witness of me in this world. And in Matthew chapter 5, verse 38 to 42, Jesus says these words. He says, you have heard that it was said, eye for eye and teeth for teeth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them, um, turn to them the other cheek also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Give to the one who asks you and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. So many of us will be familiar with some of these words. And in the Old Testament, eye for eye was a Jewish saying found in the Lex Talionis, which essentially means the law of retaliation. So the Jews had a law that had a particular conduct on how they should respond to one another if someone took advantage of them. For example, let's say um, if someone killed your animal, it was of custom for that other person's animal to be killed off. Literally in Leviticus, it says, fracture for fracture, eye for eye, teeth for teeth. That person must suffer the same injury. And it was normally um, the, the governing authorities that would carry out this form of justice on behalf of those who have been mistreated. And for the early Jews, the fear of retaliation, the fear that something else might happen back to me, kept this sense of peace and also helped to correct injustices. It was an equalizer, an eye for eye, life for life, tooth for tooth. And in the Old Testament, Jesus was God's way of establishing justice and minimizing evil among his people. But in the New Testament, in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus was concerned that this very law that was meant to minimize evil has now been flipped on its head and it's now being used to promote evil. And that's why Jesus starts off with, with the reference text that, um, 
That's our, that's our reference text for today. He starts off by saying, you have heard that it was said, eye for eye and tooth for tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. In other words, you thought it was right and you thought it was fair to retaliate against an evil person. But I have told you not to come against them. And in Jesus' time, this was dramatic words. This was crazy words to be hearing. For example, the Jews were literally under Roman rule and the Romans would literally mistreat and abuse the Jews on a regular basis. So many Jews were tired of this. They wanted to strike back. They wanted to fight back. And this led to a rise of various resistant groups like the Zealots. And the Zealots became extremists. And some of them would go as far as carrying acts of violence against the Romans. So this was the landscape of Jesus' teaching. This was the backdrop. This was the backdrop. Retaliation was on a high, so much so that violence was becoming popular among them. And in this very context, Jesus gives four illustrations on how the everyday Jew should respond to mistreatment. And I quickly want to break down these four illustrations. The first illustration is in verse 39. It says, if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. So this refers to being publicly disgraced. For someone to strike you on the right cheek meant that in that time that they had probably had backhand you. And obviously, this was a sign, even today, it's a sign of total disrespect. That person was essentially saying, I do not rate you at all. Why are you talking to me? I do not rate you. Leave me right now. And this will cause such shame for the person who was being slapped. And I think in our context, the equivalent of this was like if you were walking down Kensington High Street and someone spat in your face in front of everyone on a busy, hot summer's day. Not only is it humiliating, but it's degrading. And Jesus is telling his followers, if this happens to you, if a Roman soldier, for example, slaps you on your right cheek, which literally would happen on a regular basis for many of these Jews that were listening, he says to them, turn and give them the other cheek. And by doing this in some crazy type of way, they are literally placing themselves in greater vulnerability. They are risking more embarrassment but it's also an opportunity to serve the offender. And let me explain why. Let me give this example. Imagine you had a friend, a work colleague, or perhaps even a spouse that all of a sudden, completely unwarrantedly, started being rude to you, started saying, started throwing out insults. The truth is you have the right to retaliate. You have the right to put that person in their place. But what about if you recognize in that moment that they are probably carrying some hurt, they're probably carrying some of the frustration of the day, and instead of having rallies of insults back and forth with them, you listen to them and you allow them to express their pain. You serve that person in that moment. And that's the first type of illustration. The second type of illustration is in verse 40, where it says, and if anyone wants to sue you, take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. So this refers to a legal situation. 
In Jesus' day, the most basic shirt was something called a tunic, which was a four-body-length garment. And people would often wear a cloak over their tunic. In our translation, a coat over their tunic. And if someone sued you, it was of custom there to give that person your shirt. And Jesus is expecting a lot from his followers. He's saying, if someone is suing you, if someone is trying to gain from you, don't just give them your shirt, but overgive, go over and beyond and give them your coat as well. In other words, reverse the dynamic. This person tried to exploit you, but now use it as an opportunity to bless them. The third illustration in verse 41 Jesus says these words. He says, if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. And this imagery is more in a work context. Again, like I mentioned before, the Jews were under Roman rule. So on a regular basis, the Roman officers would pick on Jewish civilians. And for example, a Roman officer would would see like these bunch of Jews were gathering and they were socializing and would pick on one and say, hey, you, come with me, take all of my heavy stuff, all of my load and walk with me for one mile to, to my next destination. And they would have to stop. And, and you can imagine that this would, would be very exhausting, very annoying and tedious for the Jews. And it reminds me of when I was a teenager and I would be watching one of my favorite shows. Let me use The Crown, for example. And, and it's getting to a really juicy, you know, clim- climactic point in the episode. I'm like, ooh, this is great. And then all of a sudden, I'm literally, I'm, I'm watching, I'm anticipating. All of a sudden, my mom says, Wale! And internally, I'm like, no! But externally, but in, but, sorry, internally, I'm like, no! But externally, I'm like, yes, mommy. <laughs> and she says to me something like, Wale, um, come and take the clothes and um, the, the, the clothes that have just been washed and come and hang them outside on the line. And if I'm being honest, I literally, would, I literally used to boost the volume so loud so I could hear it from the garden as I was hanging out the clothes. But I, didn't, I wouldn't do a good job. I would just take, <laughs> I'll take the clothes scrunched up and I'll just put them in blotches over the line or scrunched up. I wouldn't even spread them out. I didn't do a good job. And my mom is probably watching this. Uh, mom, <laughs> I, I would just like to repent. <laughs> um, your boy is a priest now and he's changed his way, so. <laughs> but I, I wanted to get back to my show so desperately that I wouldn't do a good job. And you can just imagine Jesus saying to his disciples, if someone forces you to work, to go one mile, go beyond it and do two miles. He's saying, be a greater help. And can you imagine if we applied this to our work life? For many of us, we know what it's like for when our bosses, our day finishes at 5 p.m., but at 4 p.m., our bosses give us a whole, a whole bunch of work to do. That's literally going to take hours. They had the whole day to give it to us earlier, but they decided one hour to, my, to the end of my day, you want to give me this work. 
And it's very tempting if you're in that situation to basically be like, oh, I'm just going to do the bare minimum and I'm not going to do a good job because I'm going to go home and watch The Crown. <laughs> Maybe it's just me. <laughs> it's very tempting to do that. We, often we rush the job, we try to do the bare minimum. But Jesus illustrates for us when we are forced to work, go over and beyond. Be a greater help. And the last illustration, the fourth illustration, is in verse 42. Jesus says, give to one who asks you and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. So Jesus is referring to two types of people. The first type of people are those who don't deserve your help. The second type of people are those who can't afford your help. And let me um, quickly um, unwrap the first type of people. For example, let's say you um, are, there's a family member who's been so hostile to you recently. And they're just rude, you're not vibing with them, there's a lot of tension in the air. But let's say this family member finds themselves in a financial um, predicament and, they, and they're basically struggling financially. And they basically come to you to ask for aid. Could you give me some money? Could you help me out? It's very tempting to be like to that person, forget you, I am not giving you a dime after everything you've done to me. You know, maybe that's just me as well. <laughs> I'm not giving you a dime. It's very tempting to do that. And this describes the first, the first type of people that Jesus is describing. The second type of people are those who can't even afford your help. They can't afford to pay you back. It reminds me of those people that say, can I borrow 70 quid and I'll monster it to you tonight? But you know, tonight will never come, <laughs> you know? But both these groups of people, Jesus says, give to both. Don't turn them away. And it reminds me, especially even with that second group of people, perhaps you are a lady in this house and you have a sister and your sister never allows you to borrow her stuff. But she has a cute date and she wants to look fly. And she says, sis, oh, do you mind if I borrow your earrings, if I borrow your jacket, maybe even your heels? It's tempting to be like, God forbid, you will never borrow, you will never wear any one of my items. Anytime I want to borrow something from you, you're like, no, I hope that guy dumps you, you know? And let's be honest, sometimes we respond like this, but Jesus, <laughs> but, but Jesus, I'm so sorry. <laughs> challenges us. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. But Jesus honestly challenges our right to judge whether someone is good enough to receive our help. And he calls us to give generously without question or the evaluation of one's credibility. And in these four illustrations, Jesus is not asking us to be soft. He's not asking us to be passive. He's not just saying that we should allow people to walk over us. But I think he is calling us in these four illustrations. He is calling us to change the dynamic of the interaction. 
to take it, basically one writer describes it like this, to shift it from taking to giving. By us showing mercy when someone slaps us, figuratively or even literally, or giving excessively when someone tries to cheat us, or overdoing when someone tries to use us, changes the dynamic of the interaction. A situation that was first orchestrated to embarrass you, to shame you, to take advantage of you, you can now use it as an opportunity to bless the offender. And a biblical commentator, Michael J. Wilkins, he says these words. He says, the obligation of his, Jesus' disciples, is to not first retaliate for the evil done to them or to protect themselves and their personal interests. Their primary obligation is to serve those around them, both those who seem to deserve it and even those who don't. You see, what was meant for evil can be used for good and can bring that person into an understanding of who Jesus is. Because this is the very principle of how Jesus lived. This is how he lived. He loved the world so much that he gave his life for sinners who could not pay him back. And he didn't come with force. He didn't come with brutality. No, he came with sacrifice. He came as a loving servant. And I feel like in our day, in a city like London, if we truly want to reflect Jesus, if we truly want to be a witness of Jesus in our city, in the city of London, with our friends, with our family, with our colleagues, then we need to evaluate the way we respond. And I believe that Jesus is inviting us into loving service than retaliation. So just imagine, tomorrow is Monday, when that annoying colleague speaks up again. Or when that neighbor parks in your parking space for the 15th time. Let's move in the opposite spirit. And my prayer is, is that we will be known for our love in this city. That our actions, our conduct, our posture towards people will will contradict the norm, will contradict what we see, and ultimately will reflect that of Jesus. And as um, I was praying earlier this morning, I just heard the Lord say um, to us today that he's calling us to be a force of love. And that's my prayer for us today, that we will be a force of love. And if I'm being honest, it's not always easy. <laughs> and I know for many of us, even in this room and even online, the words of Jesus can be so challenging. I, was, I literally um, had a situation yesterday where, just a cheeky story, where my sister um, said to me, she was, she was like, oh, could you um, take my scarf? Could you just put my scarf in your bag? I'm like, no, my, my, my bag is already so full. Hold your scarf, plus it's cold. Wear your scarf. <laughs> my bag is full and stuff. But anyway, this morning, as I was unpacking my bag, I found her scarf <laughs> in my bag. And I was so tempted to throw her scarf out the window to teach her a lesson. But then I realized that I'm speaking on retaliation this morning. <laughs> uh, 
And the honest truth is, is that our everyday life is filled with tiny acts of retaliation. But what about if we came with the opposite spirit and we were like, actually, you did me dirty, you did me wrong, but I'm going to love you through this. This is a force of love. It's not passivity, but it's moving in the opposite spirit. Amen? Amen. So can I ask us to stand up?